Welcome back to Word and Table, a weekly podcast on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship and why it is vital in our world today. I'm your host, Alex Wilgus, and I'm here as always with Father Stephen Gauthier. Welcome back, Father Stephen. Great to be back, Alex. Father Stephen is the canon theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America, and he is Director of Formation at St. Paul's House of Formation in the Greenhouse Movement. Today, Father Stephen, I want to talk about deacons in the liturgy, and we've talked before on this program about the trifold order of ministry, the bishops, priests, and deacons, and how all three of them have a unique role to play in the in the Eucharistic liturgy and in, in, in divine service on Sunday. Um, but I, I wanted to address the deacon specifically because uh, in other traditions, other evangelical uh, traditions, the word deacon is used in a very different way than it is in, in our tradition. And it's, um, it can often mean something like someone who sits on an elder board or maybe an, you know, some kind of, uh, elder or trusted member of the congregation with a high degree of ownership that helps, uh, with the uh, business and things like that. Um, but in the Anglican church, the deacon has a, a liturgical role in the service. Um, so I wanted to focus on that. Why do deacons do uh, what they do and, and what, what exactly do they do? Um, so maybe we, we could start by talking about, you know, what's the basic concept of the deacon in the service? What's that, what's that basic role? Well, as Anglicans, we go right back to the Bible. You know, traditionally, uh, the church has looked upon, remember we had in Acts of the Apostles, a disagreement about the distribution of food between those who were Greek and those who were Hebrew, the widows, mm-hmm. the Greek Hebrews yeah. and, the, and the Hebrew widows. And the apostles said, look, we're primarily with preaching the word, etc. We can't be waiting on tables, you know, basically talking about practical things like this. They need to be done. So they actually chose people and laid hands on them as ordination. Laid ha- Stephen and Philip, for example, are, they mention all seven. But Stephen and Philip really stand out there for us as, as we consider those the first deacons. Deacon means servant. But this is a very special post. It was, it was a post with the laying on of hands, a special commission. Now, when you first read that passage, you would think that, well, gee, it means they primarily do very practical things. You're helping the poor, that kind of thing, which is certainly true. But then when we read about both Stephen and Philip, we find out that both of them had an had a active preaching ministry. I mean, we, we see Stephen defending the faith, uh, giving this incredible witness. We see Philip on the road, you know, on the, on the road, the Azotus Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, you know, so they also were doing some of the things we might think as being um, more things that priests do. And so that's not accidental. The Catholic tradition looks upon that as being a deacon is of the threefold ministries, the person with a, f- a foot in both worlds. Their basic work is providing various types of services, you know, to the people of God and to the community. They provide various services, you know, very uh, things like pastoral ministry and uh, uh, charitable ministries of various type. But we also want to show that we don't want to have this hard line between worship and service. You know, mm-hmm. the, those two go together. So they are the visible sign. So what we do is they're a visible sign that these two come together. Because even though primarily we see them working of these various ministries, when we gather at the table, they're present at the table. They're actually yeah. doing things, so they're, they're, they're fully ordained, and yet they represent the, the people of God in a very special way. Okay, yeah. So it's that, it's that bridge between, um, between you know, like, what is it? 
or a labora, right? You know, wor- yeah. uh, worship yeah. and uh, worship or work and prayer, worship and, and service. They're a sacramental sign, a visible sign. We could see the famed person is doing all this practice right up there at the table. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, great. Well, so um, talking about the the so in liturgically though, how does the deacon represent? that in in the liturgy how do they represent the congregation um what what do they typically do well on the congregational side we have something called the prayers of the people which is really much more important than people think in the early church uh normally the service closed after you had the sermon you you read the scriptures and had a lesson on them and they had people who weren't baptized had to leave because then we were all where we were working as the people of god our prayers we prayed as a christian community we joined with christ's prayers you have to be baptized to, to pray that way. Yeah. And so the very first thing he did was join in the prayers of the people. Well, we call them the prayers of the people. So the idea is we want them to be led to make sure this is coming up from the congregation. So traditionally, the deacon is the natural person to lead the prayers of the people. Mm-hmm. Unless some lay person can certainly be chosen. But the idea is absent someone else, the, the, the deacon leads the prayers of the people because they represent the people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They lead the confession. Because we're all confessing, they lead the confession. I see, yeah. Another very practical thing they do is, this is really helpful, is we have a very interactive liturgy. The Lord be with you, and we say, and with your spirit, and also with you, right? Mm-hmm. Some people, we want people to be very active. Lift up your hearts, we lift them to the Lord, etc. But sometimes when people don't know the responses as well, like with we have Easter season and things, or like a baptism, and we have these responses, but not the regular ones, Mm-hmm. And people are sort of hesitating, even their bulletin, to say anything. Who's going to be the first to jump in? Yeah, exactly. And actually, we try to train people. That's what deacons do. Yeah. Deacons, again, always remember, I'm, I'm sort of the voice of the laity. You know, I'm sort of, even though I'm an ordained minister, I also am sort of giving their voice. I'm a, a special leadership role. And so we'd say, when the priest of the Lord be with you, the deacons should be the first one say, I am with your spirit. Yeah. They should be saying yeah. a powerful amen, because so often the amens die with prayers. You know, when the priest says uh, says a collect, people should respond, amen, saying that's our prayer. Mm-hmm. And they won't want to do it unless they hear someone joining in. If they hear the deacon say, amen, then they'll they'll get the idea and you yeah, train them Yeah, it gives way. them permission to jump in. Exactly. Yeah. Now, on the other side, they're also ordained clergy. And so we do something like Stephen was, you know, clearly had a very important role in preaching, uh, you know, sharing the gospel. So did Philip. So we show that by, first of all, they proclaim the gospel, right? The deacon is always the one who reads the gospel. Mm-hmm. So the deacon is actually sent out into the congregation typically. Uh, sometimes it's just at the pulpit, but ideally they're sent out by the celebrant with a blessing to the congregation to proclaim the gospel. Yeah. And they actually set the table. They set the table for the Eucharistic prayer and they actually serve at the table. They're at the right hand of the celebrant. And also with giving communion, the tradition is one of the symbols of the office of deacon is the cup. Is the bread symbolizes the priest and the cup symbolizes the deacon. So in the tradition, traditionally in the church is the priest gave the bread and the deacon gave the cup. Okay, so we've got prayers of the people, lead the confession, um, being quick to give the responses that the congregation gives, um, and then serving with the priest at the table and the gospel and 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 the cup so uh, so is this this is where you're going to see the deacon at that's a very active role very active um, role there's a lot to do and a lot of different things to do as well yeah. 
on both sides from the representing the people and also clearly being there you know functioning they are ordained clergy they're proclaiming the gospel they're serving at the table they do one other thing very practically that priests love is there a liturgical fixer for example a few weeks ago at the cathedral you go and you see one of those things that can horrify these things just to get overlooked we have wonderful altar guild and things but what happened this sunday is with covid we were using these individual hosts but we have a big host that we use for the celebrant you know to hold up etc and all we had was a little host you can't imagine holding up in a large auditorium like structure <laughs> yeah but you know thank thank god literally for deacons is a deacon's job is always looking out what's the next thing that could go wrong i mean to make sure that if something's missing is saying whoa yeah. right on it <laughs> right right <laughs> oh wow we don't we don't have the bread you know here some somebody's forgot something forgotten something so they're always sort of looking out for things you know that somebody's going to forget they're about to do something or like a Got reader it. you know they're always sort of keeping an eye out like a master of ceremonies yeah so the, so the deacon's kind of like your first mate yeah um, first mate yeah 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 they're valuable they, i love one deacon i particularly love said my job is to make you guys look good he's joking <laughs> of course but i'm saying they really make sure yeah. everything goes going smoothly it's sure invaluable yeah okay great um so let's talk about again uh, let's talk about what deacons wear um you know where can you pick one out in in the context of service well, basically, the sign of the office for by a priest or a deacon is what kind of stole they wear. The stole is that thing that looks like a, a scarf mm -hmm. and or like a sash. Like Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts would have sashes with their merit badges. We all think yeah. of those going down. Well, when you're a deacon, you have a sash like that. It's like a Boy Scout or Girl Scouts thing. It comes from your left shoulder to leave your right arm free for service because we're trying to emphasize the deacon is the one who serves really out in the world. Yeah. You know, is, is providing the church out in the world. So the symbol of that is they always keep the right arm free to do work. Now, the priest wears just this, um, uh, he looks like a guy, basically, the stole is sort of like somebody who has a tie, doesn't know how to tie it. I mean, it's just sort of lying there in front of you. Okay. <laughs> it's, there, yeah. the curse, just, it's like a, a, a scarf just hanging down on both sides. Although some people cross it in necks, you know, some of the old fashioned guys cross it in necks if they have a chasuble on top of it. Sure. But that's your basic garment is your stole. And when you put it on, there's normally a little cross at the top, not always, where the, the two ends meet. And uh -huh. normally you kiss that when you put on to say, because we only put on to say, I'm going to do something official. It's never worn decoratively. It's only put saying, I'm actually going to do something specifically in my role as a deacon, my okay. liturgical role, sorry, my liturgical role as a priest. And so they put that on to basically ask for God's blessing and saying, you know, I'm, I'm consecrating the service to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's like your, it's like your um, uniform, basically. Yeah, like if you're a it's, that's officer, putting... the essence part of you. If nothing else, you could just put this on top of your clericals. Yeah. Even if you don't use an alb or something, this tells you why I'm I'm, do, I'm acting officially in the name of the church. It's like your your officer's uniform. Got it. Got it. Great. Okay, so um, so we've got that stole, um, but then there's also we've talked about there's that kind of uh, really fancy looking shirt. Yeah, um, sometimes right. It hangs out like you one. know. It's kind of like what do they call the ones that have the tail hangs out? There's a name uh, for it, I think. But you have the idea, like if yeah, you're a big guy yeah. or something, you just don't want to have things where you're tucking them in. So there's, it looks like that. It looks like a tunic, which is basically <laughs> like a like you know a big like a nightshirt. Okay, yeah, like a nightshirt, sort of like a like an old fashioned nightshirt, and that's called. But yeah. they're beautifully they're called Dalmatics, I and see. that comes because they came from a place called Dalmatia, where you get Dalmatian dogs from. That's right. on the coast 
of Yugoslav what used to be Yugoslavia, the coast of what used to be Yugoslavia opposite Italy. That's called Dalmatia. And they used to dress like that there. And yeah. so they took that particular that Dalmatian coat and they called it Dalmatic. I see. And they use it sometimes like, you know, when a priest wears a chasuble, that poncho-like garment, if he mm-hmm. does use one in some of our churches, it's saying, I'm actually going to be the one celebrating the liturgy. There might be other priests here, but I'm the one who's actually celebrating the liturgy. I'm going to yeah. be the one saying, you know, actually praying the Eucharistic prayer. Sure. The deacon who actually assists the priest, the only the deacon who's actually doing the things next, next to the priest or the bishop, that deacon is, sometimes wears a dalmatic. It'll be all the bright color. They're really nice garments. Okay. They're, they're not okay. very common, but you'll find them uh, like in cathedrals and things or in some very Anglo-Catholic churches will have the deacons wearing dalmatics. Okay, so that's how you can tell uh, if what you're looking at is who you're looking at as a deacon. Yeah. So let's um, let's actually walk through the service with the deacon and see uh, you know what the deacon does at each step of the way. So so what happens uh, at the beginning? Where, where do we start actually in our diaconal role in the service? Well, I, in training deacons, I tell them you know one thing to remember is make sure nothing should be on the altar when you come in. There shouldn't be an altar book uh, up there. It should be nothing. It's the symbol of Christ. It should be empty until we set the table for the Eucharistic prayer. So I tell things, first thing you want to start out is make sure that everything's off the table, except that all we have is a tablecloth. You know, that basic, that, that, which, you know, which is called, of course, fine linen, but it's what we think of looks like a tablecloth. That should be the only thing on the altar. Yeah. And, oh, by the way, just as a footnote, liturgically, the altar, we mentioned, I think, in another program or another episode, actually shouldn't even have, should never have things like flowers on it or like Advent candles. Nothing mm-hmm. should be on the altar except what's going to actually be used during the Eucharistic liturgy. The right. only exception being candles, you know, like the regular service candles. And even then, it's ideal to put them on the side. Sure, sure. So we start with it completely, completely bare, and then the deacon goes and, and, and adds things onto it, or, or, yeah, or just makes sure that it's clear. Well, that's a good point. Why don't we start from the very beginning with the procession? Sure, okay. Because when we start out, we want to say there's nothing on it at all, but that's not going to stay true very long. Uh-huh. Okay. So we start with an entrance procession. They're holding the book high. Now the deacon comes right before the altar party. You know, it's right okay. before the before the before the priest or the priests if you have multiple at the altar. And any lay people are going to be readers go in front of the deacon. The deacon is the first of the clergy. Sure. Okay. So the so they you know in the line. And so what they do is they're holding the gospel book up high. And mm-hmm. so the first in the procession you have a cross, right? Or sometimes you have candle bearers, which you call torch bearers, yeah. and then you have the deacon. Or you have the, like the readers sometimes. You have the readers, then you have the deacon, then you have the priest. Well, what happens is, what do you do when you get to the altar? Well, everyone else is, but when the, when the, when the deacon gets there, the deacon puts the book down on the altar. Mm-hmm. Right there in the, in the altar, and then bows and goes to his place. Okay. So that's how, now there's something on the altar. So it's only empty for that time briefly until we finish the entrance procession. Now we have the book on the and altar. And we've got the gospel book on there. Got the Great. book on the altar, right. Excellent. Okay, so um, we talked about that the deacon reads the gospel in the service. Let's talk about how that, that typically happens traditionally. Traditionally what happens is we have the alleluia verses. Very often we sing alleluia, alleluia. What happens, the deacon, first of all, traditionally would go to the altar to retrieve the book and brings the book to the priest and the priest gives them a blessing and it's a beautiful blessing it says may the lord be in your mind on your lips and your heart to worthily proclaim the holy gospel Mm, that's the actual blessing and he's basically sending them out on mission 
It's yeah. a beautiful thing, a symbol. And so they go out with the book, and sometimes really Anglo-Catholic priests will actually kiss the gospel book. Sure, sure, yeah. But then they'll actually go out into the into the aisle, okay, and they'll proclaim the gospel. And what they do when they open this is interesting. You know, we say uh, they should, first of all, open the gospel book when they get there, where they're going to read from it. And then they should say, they should put their, their thumb, if you look at a gospel book, the beginning, we call the readings you're going to have for there called the pericopes. Yeah. That means a gospel passage called a pericope. It's a Greek word. Right. And that's what we call them. Well, every pericope, it's sort of funny, in a traditional gospel book has a little cross on it, on the cross on the first letter. Yeah. And that's traditionally where the deacon would actually put his thumb. And he'd oh, make okay. a thumb, a sign of the cross. As he's, he'd say, the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. And while he's saying that, he's actually making the thumb on the cross. And then he takes that and puts on the holy gospel of our Lord on his forehead, uh, okay. his lips, and on his heart. Oh, because he's kind of putting on the, yeah. the gospel in a way. Yeah, that's a pretty... That's a, that's so again, a for deacons, sometimes our questioning, again, what I'm saying is you first start out, you say, when you open the book first before anything else. And mm-hmm. then you put your thumb on the place. Then you say, looking up, the Holy Gospel, as you're moving your thumb on the book, you know, the Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. And as people are saying, glory to you, Lord Christ, that's when you're making the sign of the cross on your forehead, on your lips, yeah. and on your breast. Great. Great. Okay. And then what they do when they finish, then they, they, they close the book and say, uh, the Gospel of the Lord. And people right. say, praise to you, praise Lord, to Christ. Lord Christ. Then they return the book to the altar. So let's talk about what the deacon does to prepare for the Eucharist. You know, the first person who comes up to the altar is actually the the deacon. So what's the deacon doing there to get ready for for communion? Well, they're really preparing the table. It should be an empty table. So ideally, the first thing they do is as the is they as they go out, is they should put the the tablecloth out with the corporal. They have a table, the the, the, the fine linen, which looks like the tablecloth is there. But they want to put this corporal, which is a symbol of we're setting the table. Yeah. That's as people, then people come up with the bread and wine. Remember, we say there are four parts to the Eucharistic, to the liturgy of the table. Yeah. He took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke, he gave. Mm-hmm. Go about the fraction, then he gave. Yeah. And so the first one is actually bringing the bread and wine. The, the offertory has nothing to do, per se, with the money. In the early church, the money was taken after the service. Okay. It's about bringing up, it's the first of those four verbs, bringing up the bread and wine. So that should, sometimes we tend to overlook that. So we should have people, you know, the the deacon should be right in front of the altar and formally receive that. You know, he's receiving it from the people of God and he goes around and he puts that down on top of the corporal. Mm -hmm. Then what he does, he goes to the credence table and he takes out, he brings up the the chalice and the little plate that goes with the chalice, we say is called the paten. He takes the paten up there. Okay. And then we typically will have additional, often need more wine and more bread. We only bring up the one loaf. So anything else we have to bring up, more bread or more wine, we bring those up and put them on. His his job is to go to the creative table, bring everything and put it on the altar, and everything that's going to be consecrated should touch the corporal someplace. Mm-hmm. Now, you want to keep a clean line of sight so that people can actually see the one loaf and the one cup. Yeah. And remember, as we said, never more than one cup on the table. You have flagons to avoid the problem. I see, yeah. <laughs> then one thing that's really beautiful is we have a tradition of we mix water with wine. Right. Um, that's an ancient tradition. It's always mentioned in the early descriptions of the Eucharist. 
And one of the reasons it was a practical matter, but they gave a theological use. There's a beautiful prayer that uh, sometimes goes with it. And the prayer is this. By the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. Mm. So the deacon prays that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the deacon uh, prays that. Um, doesn't have to, but that's a very tra- traditional. In the Roman church, they have to. I mean, yeah. but it's a, uh, it's a, it's one of those... Um, uh, it's a beautiful tradition, but that's so. When do they do that? What they do is they basically pour the water into into the flagon. So every flagon there should receive a little bit of the water. This is ceremony. Just all you need is a few drops. Don't start pouring. You don't want to dilute all the wine. Yeah. Just a little bit. Then you take one of the flagons and you use it to heart to fill the chalice. So the water is always put into the flagons, and once the flagons have water and wine, then you take one of the flagons and fill the chalice. I see. I see. Yeah. Then you make sure you put the bread on the pattern if you're the deacon and you're ready to go. Okay. Okay. Great. That's a lot to remember. But it's pretty straightforward. Basically, you come up, you put down the tablecloth. People are going to bring you the food, right? They're going to bring you the bread and wine. You put that on. Mm-hmm. You have to get your you have to get your tableware. So you have to get your chalice and your pattern. Mm-hmm. You have to bring extra stuff. You know, you're going to have to, you got a lot of guests. So you're going to have to bring more stuff and put it out there. Yes. Oh, wait a second. I've got to, I've got to put water in my wine because at the ancient world, that's was, uh, you can't have, that's going to be too strong. Yeah. So I symbolically put that in. Okay. I take a little crew, put some water in there. Then I take one of the flagons, make sure every flagon gets a little water. And then I take that, I take that, uh, take one of the flagons and fill the chalice, put the big, uh, piece of bread on the pattern and we're ready to go. And that about that time, people should be singing something like praise God from whom all blessings flow. We go out to get the the offering. Yeah, yeah, there you go. We receive it, but less ceremony. We receive it, but um, it's not, you know, it's, and we just simply put it wherever we put our offertory. Sure, sure. Okay, great. All right, so the deacons uh, prepared the, the table for Eucharist. So what's going on um, in the uh, Eucharistic liturgy itself? What's, where's the deacon located? What's, what's he doing? Well, a deacon is literally the priest's right-hand man. And so he's literally at the right hand of the priest. Now, in some traditions, some very Anglo-Catholic types will say, well, he, since he's not the priest, they'll have him step like a half step back. Mm-hmm. Most churches don't. He'll be right there next to the priest, simply at his right hand. Sure. But if you're wondering how come some people don't seem to want to get near the altar, is some people who are very old-fashioned, the training as a deacon should, should actually be like a step behind to show he's not a priest. Okay. But uh, we don't observe that, for example, in our diocese, but uh, many people do. That's an older custom. Okay. And one thing they do is, remember, at the end of the service, we have, uh, at the end of the Eucharistic prayer, we have the gifts of God for the people of God, something along those lines where we were actually presenting the gifts. Mm-hmm. Take them remembrance. And the priest is actually making the round like a half uh, like a half circle motion around to show it to the whole congregation. Well, he hands the chalice to the deacon to do that. The deacon's holding the chalice because that's a symbol of the diaconate, and the priest is holding the bread, and they go together and yeah. move around in a circular motion. Okay, okay, I see. One thing for deacons to remind them is they should never grab a chalice or put it down directly. They always receive it from the priest or give it back to the priest. So that's a symbolic thing as well. Mm-hmm. All right. So the, you know, so I guess if, if the deacon is um, holding the, the cup, then that I guess that makes sense that the deacon's actually serving the wine to the congregation, right? This is one of the great signs of the diaconate. So ideally, the, serve, the, the deacons, the, the priest serves the bread and the deacon serves the, serves, the, serves the cup. Okay. You certainly never want to be in a position, like if you have multiple people helping in multiple cups and things, you never want a position 
where a priest, there are a deacon is serving the bread and the priest is serving a cup. That's that violates the normal symbols. Yeah. Okay. I see. Uh, yeah, sometimes you'd have situations like with lay people and things and you're, you're having the extraordinary ministers. First of all, the priest who celebrates must always give communion. Yeah. That's a sacramental sign. You can't say, well, let other people think. No, no, the priest has to be one of the people handing out communion. Ideally, the priest should give communion to everybody. Mm-hmm. The only reason we have other people involved is because we take too long. Right, right, exactly. But the sign is that Jesus gave the bread. That is, that, you know, okay, so that's the idea uh, coming through. So normally the, 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 uh, the priest should have the bread and the deacon should have the cup. If you have multiple stations, the uh, deacon might be in charge of a station. In that case, the deacon uh, could have the bread, but never in a situation where the deacon would have the bread while at the same station a priest had the cup. I because see. The, yeah. the symbol, ideally, of the diaconate is the cup. Okay, great. Great. Um, okay, so serving serving the wine, and I guess that that liturgical fixer role, right? I mean, is he still looking out for you know what can go oh, wrong here? Yes. Just last Sunday, uh, it's, 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 truth is stranger than fiction, right? But this happens periodically. We had more people than we'd expected. Uh-huh. So I'm handing out communion. Suddenly, the deacon, of course, because they're they're, they're your fixers, they realize we we had. Missing one of the baskets, it didn't. It wasn't consecrated. Okay. So they come up as a priest, and you. In that case, you have multiple priests. You you always bring it to the celebrant. You know, okay. if it's at all possible, you bring it to the celebrant. Yeah. And so the, the celebrant basically has a short form they use to consecrate the bread or the wine if they don't have enough. Sure. Sure. Okay. It's basically a quick. It's a. It's a repeat of the word of words of institution and the epiclesis. Okay. Okay. I see. All right. So. So after Eucharist, where are we where are we going with the deacon? Well, after the Eucharist, one thing the deacon wants to make is clean up the table. Because think about it, you know, before we go the rest of the, we shouldn't have anything left on the table. Mm-hmm. We certainly shouldn't have the sacrament there. The unconsumed sacrament needs to go. The table should be empty, except for the the book should be placed back there for the exit procession. For yeah, the, uh, recessional. Sure, sure. Okay. What's going to happen here is we have the beautiful thing where the deacon is obviously the one who's our ambassador, you know, the, the foot in both camps is going to send everybody out to their, t- because we have one of our beautiful uh, prayers of Thanksgiving talks about to every, each of us in our vocation and ministry, because mm-hmm. every Christian has a vocation. So, we, so he's sending everybody into the world. Yeah. So he says, you know, go in peace, you know, you know, et cetera. We say, go forth to love and serve the Lord or some words like that, or in sure. the power of the spirit. Go forth in the world rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. Okay, yeah. And then people say, thanks be to God. Hear one thing, and that's always the deacon. Hear one thing that uh, the deacons can do. Sometimes the alleluias become problematic. Let me tell you what the real rule is supposed to be. During Easter week, the entire week from Easter itself all the way through the first Sunday after Easter, we use a double alleluia. Yeah. Go forth in the world in peace, rejoicing in the spirit. Alleluia, alleluia. Thanks yeah. be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. Now, all the way through the rest of the Easter season, which means all the way through Pentecost, we say alleluia, just one alleluia. Mm-hmm. And after that, we're just waiting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's the basic rule. A lot of people do it differently, but that's actually the, the rule. Because alleluia is a special sign in those in that particular case of the Easter season. I see. Okay, great. Some people use double alleluia all through Easter season, then use alleluia the entire year, except for the penitential seasons. I see. Yeah, yeah. So just just one one step forward a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but the idea is you really want to emphasize how special Easter itself is. Yeah. And remember, it's an eight day feast because you know it has an octave that way. Yes. 
So you said that the uh, deacon is kind of like a second in command for the priest. Um, what happens if a priest is, you know, either prevented from being there or for some other reason can't can't be at, at the service? How does the deacon um, properly uh, lead the congregation in, in the service? Well, if the service is going to have Eucharist, first of all, they could simply lead a morning prayer. You know, they could do that, which in fact, many Anglican churches did for a few centuries. When if, but what we often want to do, people want to have Eucharist on Sunday, they would have to have Eucharist that's already been consecrated, mm-hmm. the reserved sacrament or pre-sanctified gifts is the Eastern term a lot of Anglicans use. Right. But basically something from a previous service, which would just be the bread, by the way, in that case, uh, typically. Yeah. It, uh, uh, it could be the wine, but normally the tradition is it's just the bread in that case. Okay. But it could be the wine too. Uh, what happens is this, is the, the Sunday service would look the same as it normally looks until you got to the point where we'd normally go to, after the offertory when you norm, you don't receive gifts, you don't do any of those, you don't do the receiving, you don't do anything from the receiving the bread and wine because it's already been consecrated. There's nothing to receive from the congregation. Right. And you skip the part, lift up your hearts, you know, the Lord be with you and also with you, lift up your hearts, We and everything after that through the great amen. Okay. So the whole Eucharistic prayer from the, the introductory dialogue all the way through the Amen is eliminated. Instead, what you have is there's a special prayer you could put in if you want, or you simply go directly to the Our Father. I see, I see. So yeah. you basically, what you do is the deacon goes and then puts the gifts on the altar for the first time. He puts the consecrated gifts on the altar only at that point. They're not okay. just sitting there during the service. I see. The deacon goes, gets the gifts, puts them on the altar, and then often there's a, a, some really nice prayers they can have of preparing for communion. I which see. I'd recommend. And then you go directly to the Our Father and everything is like any other service. Okay, I see. So you, you assume that the Eucharistic prayer has already happened. and then you... Well, it has to. That's how it's consecrated, right? right. So you're saying uh, we have to separate between we're receiving communion, we're not having a Eucharist. A Eucharist is the actual prayer, of, you know, the combination of the prayer of, thanks, you know, the prayer of thanksgiving, the, the liturgy of the word and the liturgy of the table. We can't yes. have a liturgy of a table without the priest as such. Yes. What we can do is receive... Communion that's already the product of another Eucharist. Right, has already been blessed or given right. thanks over. Yeah. So what we're doing is we're having a liturgy of the word and then we're having communion from another service that we're going to take. Leftovers. Think of it this way. When, yeah, when you have leftovers, you're not going to be peeling potatoes or something and think of it that way. <laughs> Eucharistic prayers getting you don't You don't need to. It's already been cooked. All you're doing is heating it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. Well, thanks, Father Stephen. You got anything else for us on uh, the deacon's liturgical role? No, I just have to focus on how beautiful it is to emphasize the connection between service and uh, service and worship. Okay. I mean, I'm, I lived, I'm old enough man to remember when deacons weren't that common. Mm-hmm. You know, we sort of really restored the diaconate as a permanent thing. We really didn't look upon this as just a stage until you became a priest. Sure. Which sure. is so wrong, a use. I mean, everyone must. It's so important. Everyone has to be a deacon first because it's an experience everyone needs to have if you're going to be a priest or a bishop. Yeah. But having said that, it's just a beautiful thing to see the diaconate restored. It's a symbol. Uh, to, it's a beautiful thing that stops the... It's a, one of the symbolic ways to avoid clericalism. Right. You know, there's there are all people on this side, you're the priests, and then there's everybody else. No, no. We have the deacons are wonderful people who are working completely in both worlds, and it keeps this, you know, seamless, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, unity. Wonderful. Wonderful. And you're grateful to them. As that one wonderful deacon said, uh, they make us look good. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you can't do it without them.
Well, thanks so much, Father Stephen. Thank you for listening to Word and Table. We'll be back again next week for more on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship. Thanks for listening.